0: Hi, this is Chantel Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first.
1: Welcome to Listen First Montana. I'm Eric Halverson. This week, we're featuring Missoula County Commissioner Juanita Vero. As an employee of Missoula County myself, Juanita and I could have chosen any number of conference rooms to record this podcast in, but instead, we chose to sit on the ground in a field. But not just any field. About an hour east of the city of Missoula, along the Blackfoot River Valley, sits the Ebar L Ranch, a guest ranch spanning 8,000 acres that is currently home to about 100 horses, and has been home to Juanita's family since her great-grandfather purchased a chunk of it in 1906. One frequent guest of the Ebarl described Juanita as, quote, a child of the wilds of Montana, an amazing writer, a poised businesswoman, and a marvelous storyteller. Today, we hope to bring you some of those marvelous stories straight from the north pasture of her family's ranch. Juanita and I talk about her upbringing on the ranch and how that contributed to shaping her leadership style, her thoughts on the urban-rural divide in Montana, her journey to enter politics and become Missoula County Commissioner in 2019, why and how joy is one of her core values, and much more. Without further delay, here's Missoula County Commissioner Juanita Vera. Juanita Barrow, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Will you please describe where we are?
0: We are, um, we're at um, my wedding rock. My husband's and my wedding rock out in the north pasture of my family's ranch. Um, Oh, and we're listening to, is that a chickadee behind us? Oh, um, actually, I don't know what that is. So um, we have a red-tailed hawk and... Heard that and then there's an eagle right there. Um getting distracted. Okay. Uh where are we? Yeah, that's this is our setting. It's it's sunny. It's uh what day is it today? April Seventeenth? Seventeenth? Eighteenth. Eighteenth. Not much wind. Um yesterday is also a sunny, not much windy day and um uh, lots of folks were burning, doing some spring burning, so it's smoky here right now, but it's a beautiful day.
1: And we are the closest sort of town to us is Greeno, right? So we're in Missoula County.
0: Oh, yes, because We're on the we edge. We're on the edge of Missoula County. We're in Greeno, which I, we no longer have our zip code, so I don't think you could call us a town. it's a, oh. it's a state of mind. It's a place. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh.
1: And we're on the e. Yes,
0: we're on the ebarL ranch, yep.
1: And it's just a beautiful day. We're really lucky to be here. So I want you to tell us more, So really paint a picture about where we're sitting.
0: Okay. Um, Where we are sitting, like I said, it's um, my wedding rock that I'm leaning up against. And I got married here in uh, 2014. And then um, my wedding present to myself was Leadership Montana Flagship Program. Um, uh, So I was part of Dream Team 15. And this is kind of weird full circle situation that I'm actually sitting here with you. This is wild. Um, and, uh, my family has a guest ranch. It was started in the early 1920s. Um, my great grandparents, well, they actually bought the property in 1906. Um, but it became a, a, a guest ranch after the first world war. Um, my grand great grandfather's, um, friends would come out and visit. Uh, he was an engineer. Uh, he had gone to MIT, and then after the war, his MIT buddies and war buddies would come out here, and they'd take the train out, and they would spend you know, the summer out here because it took so long to get out here, and then you'd stay here for a chunk of time. And then after about seven or so years of that, my great-grandmother got tired of taking care of his friends and said that, okay, your friends are going to help pay for food and staff and it very organically became a dude ranch. Um, At about the time, there was a lot of dude ranches kind of like popping up around the West. Um, And uh, yeah, so it 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 never had a business plan, was never, um, it's not a a proper business in that sense. And that's kind of part of our culture too. This is just, it's a place where our our friends come and we don't do any advertising, Um, guests recommend other guests we kind of want to know because it's not for everyone um you know you sleep in a single bed there we don't charge extra for the mice and bats that visit you in your cabin um you got to unsaddle your own horse and uh, yeah um the staff don't wear name tags um but they know how you want your eggs um it's a yeah it's family it's family camp um and this is just what we've done for, I mean, we're, we're coming up on our, what, our 96th season. So that's kind of exciting. We survived a pandemic. That was a first. Um, And uh, yeah, we made it through last year, uh, summer 2020, without a single case of COVID. And yeah, we're really proud of that and proud and grateful to our staff and guests for taking it so seriously. And helping us get through that summer because that was trying as yeah. is
1: for everyone but and you have like 40 guests a week I understand yeah and, yeah and um, so that's a good amount of people flowing through here all, it last, was summer, all right? last
0: summer we started two weeks late because we weren't actually sure mm. if we could even operate and then once um Montana was open um we were like okay we can operate And now we'll bring our staff and we have staff from all over the country, and we were terrified. <laughs> okay, now we get the staff here, and now we're we locked down for two weeks, and um, and then we made it through those first two weeks with just the staff, and then we had to welcome our guests, and we were like, oh, my gosh, um, is this going to work? And it, it totally did. Um, we had to change, some, you know, like everyone, every business changed things, and we went through, um, and looking back, there's probably some ridiculous things we did but we didn't know and our health department didn't know either like it was just uh, the fft you know that you referenced earlier um we're just everyone's just doing their best um and it worked out yeah we had a we had a really good summer will you
1: take a crack at explaining what an fft is so that i don't have to oh the the
0: effing first time and uh and it's a it's a brene brownism and uh and we embraced our FFT last summer, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> we all had to. Yeah. Well, I'm um, feeling super lucky to be out here with you, and it, it, I'm mindful of the fact that we're just a stone's throw away from your grandfather's gravesite, right?
0: Yep. I got married here, and then also want um, part of the reason I chose this random rock was that— um, then my grandfather could also be part of the wedding because he's he's in the back behind us here, <laughs> so he's still there. <laughs>
1: and you come out to this rock every year, right, and renew. Oh your vows.
0: yes, yes. Um, and yep, come out to the rock to renew and reevaluate our vows, and you know put the dress on and and get a handful of friends or whoever's around to come out and celebrate with us. And uh, last year um i came out here by myself it was pandemic and then plus my husband was was hunting so um which i knew it was going to happen our anniversary is august 31st so <laughs>
1: he's busy <laughs> he's busy yeah. and
0: last last year was was hunting season so um yeah and I, it's just a well as you can see it's a it's a good space to come out and and contemplate life and yeah
1: so we're about an hour east of missoula down highway 200
0: yep on right. sunset hill road off of sunset hill road up the blackfoot river we're kind of near the confluence of the clear water and blackfoot river mm-hmm. um yeah and it's it's a pretty special place that's ponderosa pine and um benched landscape it's great for riding um some no no crazy mountains or anything, but some some hills, um, grasslands, sagebrush prairie, timbered forest that is not so thick that you can't ride through it. Rivers to cross. I mean, it's a. Uh, I've I've ridden in other places around the country and even the world, and it is um, yeah, Spain, Portugal, Ireland, Scotland, um, Costa Rica. Um, other places in the states you know California and Colorado Wyoming um, back east even and there's just the riding experience that we can offer out here is pretty special and yes I'm biased but it's fantastic to have this much um, yeah acreage that is it's just good for riding
1: it's eight thousand acres, right? Four thousand that you own, and four thousand so that we
0: lease. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it's
1: all protected,
0: and it's all under yep a conservation easement with the Nature Conservancy, and and that's part of my my grandfather's vision, as he wanted to return the landscape to what it was prior to the 1880s, when this area was all logged, and the logs were sent down the Blackfoot River to to the Bonner Mill, and um, yeah. So he his his goal was to return the timber to what it was prior to to that time so um it's funny we're talking about fire and how smoky it is today but uh we we didn't um apply fire to the landscape or the ranch here because um he was afraid of it and was and he spent his time logging it as if fire had gone through it which is very expensive and labor-intensive but He had family members that you don't have to pay very much to do the work. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, um, that's why it looks the way it does. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so the sixties, seventies, eighties, that was kind of his logging heyday. And, um, he had to deal with some bark beetles and then again, he wanted to protect it against like catastrophic fire and, and, um. Yeah, so I'm I'm really lucky that I, I get to kind of reap the benefits and now I just need to not screw it up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm so fascinated with your history in this place, and I and I, I really recommend everybody check out the Mountains and Prairie podcast. Juanita is on there oh. multiple times. Um, there's two parts to that. And there's a lot Twice. of really good in, information about the, her conservation work, um, but one thing that really stuck out to me was you were talking about you know taking guests at the ranch on Rides by yourself as early as 14 years old, right? And you're crossing the river and responsible for these people's well being as well as the animals' well being. I think you have something close to 100 horses, yep, yeah, on the ranch, right? And, um, and you it seems like that sort of responsibility has sort of shaped the way you lead now. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah,
0: and I've been kind of trying to think about that, um, leadership styles and why, um yeah why we lead the way we do, and i I think um yeah, growing up here, uh you grow up as a as a host. Um, you have people from from all over the world come visit, and you're responsible for their experience here and and also you're responsible for keeping them safe. and so, yep, I was responsible for the kids, you know, eight to twelve year old kids and I was 12, 14. I think I started taking rides when I was 12. And uh and uh it was just that that responsibility I think shapes you. And then also um be, be, because yeah, like you were saying, you're responsible for someone's life and you're responsible for an animal's life and well-being. And I didn't really question that. That's just I didn't think it was odd that, you know, I'm a 12-year-old, 7th grade. You know, I was babysitting at 7th grade, so what's the difference, you know? So, just out with horses, you know? I'd grown up with them. I was in my, you know, my backyard, if you will. It all felt very normal to me. Um, it, it wasn't daunting or scary. Um, this is just kind of how, what I was raised to do. And then I think of, like, just that phrase, what I was raised to do. Like, w- what impact my parents have on me? Like what was their parenting style, and and I'm fortunate now that yeah you know, my parents are both still here, um, so I can kind of talk to them about this. But uh, I was I was kind of a humor humorless kid growing up. I was like no nonsense. Um, I had a younger brother uh, who was a little more rambunctious. You know I kind of like stayed in the lines and did what I was told, uh, and then I could kind of use that and abuse it in a sense that. I could literally lie about things and people would believe me and I could blame my brother and, 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 uh, and he would, he would get the brunt of it. And, uh, and my brother and I laugh about that now, but I mean, that was like a very, like, that's an intentional shitty thing I was doing as an older sister. I could, I could take advantage of people's faith in me. Um, (laughs) but, uh, um, also, yeah, back to like the kind of no nonsenseness. Um, my parents weren't strict, but it was just there was an expectation. And and uh, my mom, you know, she's like Northern European, the German Scottish descent, and and she's this, you know, she was five nine. Her hands are huge. Um, stern woman. Um, and there's just an expectation. Like her horses and her dogs behaved, you know, we, I grew up with racing sled dogs and my mom had like 30 dogs in the dog yard, you know, and if they were barking or doing anything that was inappropriate, she could just knock on the window or put her head out the door and say, hey, and that was silent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, her dogs are so well-trained, her horses are so well-trained, and so then me and my brother, we were pretty well-trained, <laughs> um, and, and again, that, that we were just raised on a ranch and I, I don't want to make stereotypes, but I kind of am like ranch kids just are, are kind of capable and, um, can problem solve and are tough. And, um, there's just, you do chores because that's what's expected of you. And, and that was kind of how we were raised. And so, oh, and then also there was, it was interesting, both my, my mother and my grandfather, um, could be kind of stern about uh, other people's um, weakness or, or lack of an education about a subject, like being out on a ranch in Montana. I mean, that was our business, is like showing people who don't know anything um, this place. And, and there are times where I could feel my mom uh, judging or criticizing um, someone's lack of knowledge and I would kind of feel myself kind of jumping on that bandwagon too, but it was my dad who would always point out, "Hey, that person just doesn't know anything," and and so I it was really great to grow up with that balance of both of my parents. Like my mom would have no time for another person's inabilities, and then my dad would show us like another side to that, and um, and so I, I really appreciate that and and value that. And I think that kind of, again, my dad's way of approaching people. Um, I think I, I really like appreciate and, and kind of cling to, um, I'm, I can be super judgy. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I can be very, very judgy, but, uh, um, when I'm feeling, uh, my best is when I can be more empathetic and, and, um, and I, I think I, I get that because my dad has demonstrated that. and um, and again, he never kind of held that over us or told us this is the way and you need to be. He just demonstrated or embodied it. But your original question was leadership. Um, and uh and I think even as a child, um, what I was impressed by were leaders who um, could inspire folks from an authentic place they weren't using their position and saying i am leader therefore you must follow me like it it has to be i hate using the word organic but because i've already used it but it i feel like um sincere authentic organic leadership is something that means a lot to me and i um and where that came from again like i you know i talk about my dad but um also I think being around horses um, now we're getting a little like voodoo and weird here but No, I was just going
1: <laughs> I was just going to ask you about the horses. So I um, yeah.
0: Go. Um, horses kind of require you to be honest with and and present yourself honestly and um, and to be authentic. And and when you're working with horses, you can't lose your shit. Like that's just not it's not appropriate. And uh I just, you know, I get embarrassed for people who lose their shit. And and, uh, and I understand, like, it's important for everyone to, like, feel their feelings. Um, I get that. But come on. Like, you don't need to, like, yell and scream. And, um, and any time you're working with animals, like, a bunch of dust and making chaos, like, it's just embarrassing. I don't want to, like, ignore that I have feelings of anger. Like, I, I definitely do. But um, the outbursts just aren't helpful to anyone. Or when you're in a position of leadership, um, it, it's just it's not helpful. Um, I guess I share my disappointment with the situation or with someone's performance. But um, I want to do it in a way that ultimately they can be empowered with that okay what did we what did we learn here yeah <laughs> and and also asking that question what did we learn here in a sincere way not not um yeah not rhetorical and snarky <laughs> uh,
1: which is the way things go typically yeah, in yeah they
0: they and okay and even just the word politics um I I, I don't like I, I have a, like a physiological sensation of like yeah, like I, a twinge or like a um, I don't I don't like that word because of I guess what I've attached to it and and it's weird that some would say I am a politician and that grosses me out <laughs> because I don't think a, a county commissioner is a politician I I think it, of the position as a as a public servant.
1: think it's so interesting and very related to your leadership style um, to talk about that idea that you were a humorless child because it's in such stark contrast to the way you I are now, right? And
0: Like joy is something that is like my, like one of my core values. Well, yeah. So I'm like... so glad
1: you brought up the word joy because I, so full disclosure, I'm technically a, an, a, an employee of Missoula County. So Juanita is in one way or more my boss which is
0: and which is, the people of missoula county are our bosses right, right i mean right. really yeah, i mean that's that. the that's the reality there we don't
1: cross paths too much professionally really hardly at all but um the reason i bring that up is because i know a few people that work with you closely people who both of us know well and so i was sort of quizzing them about you and more than once um the thing the first thing that those folks brought up when reflecting on on you was was joy. They would say, I love that one of her core values are joy, or I love that she's so authentically willing to grapple with these really, really difficult, seemingly intractable issues and hold joy at the same time. Right? So this <laughs> idea that we talk about in Leadership Montana all the all the time, it's very Brene Brownie, of how we have two incompatible ideas held in our hands at the exact same time and we just own that yeah so I want to hear you talk about joy that way
0: and when I think of joy to have true joy you have to be vulnerable and authentic and 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 joy isn't just um my husband says like a happy jack um just you know blissfully ignorant or um yeah True joy is pretty vulnerable and um, and which can be a scary place to be because you're running up against uh, yeah the, the whole Brene Brownie shame and authenticity and vulnerability and all all that stuff I feel like joy has to be or joy is is there in that kind of um, there's a tricky area and uh, I look at my mother and now we're getting to like family therapy sessions, so I'm on the couch here but like my mom, is so um, so strong, very very capable woman, like physically and, and, and whatever and whatever she can produce. Um, I my God, she she ran our guest ranch kitchen, um, and she was the sole baker, chef, you know, pastry chef. I mean, one woman show in 1976 summer of 76 while she was pregnant with my brother my brother was born september 15th that's when our season ends my mom no days off feeding all the staff and all the guests three meals a day like and that was just expected of her and she she did it and now we have a freaking army oh my god we have like literally four different chefs you know and they get days off, and they can't work over eight hours, and oh my god, and I mean, and now I'm sounding kind of kind of cranky, like my grandfather, but um, things things are different. We definitely pay pay our staff better now than we did in 1976, but it is just interesting <laughs> to think of what my mother went through, um, and she, and yes, and she was an owner of a ranch, and this is just what was expected, um, and she also doesn't know she and I can, I saw this as a kid and I see it even now, she's 74, um, she really grapples with finding her joy and finding it and, and being comfortable in it and comfortable feeling it because she had a very domineering father, my grandfather, um, who if you were having fun, it was questionable whether or not you were working hard enough. And that's kind of how she grew up. And I think she, she may have applied that to me and my brother as we were, as, as children too. Um, if you were goofing around and being silly, you weren't working hard enough and work what um, was a value to that side of the family. Um, my dad is this happy Filipino, you know, and he's just he's so happy and so grateful for everything, for the sun shining. <laughs> you know like that like life is good the, the the sun rose today and it's gonna set tonight. like all's good in his world we were encouraged to hold those together and that's how we grew up and it was okay so yeah i'm half filipino um white uh mother and we're and my dad always was um very grateful for um the opportunity to work on this place and marry the boss's daughter um but it wasn't easy it was kind of you know they got they got together in 1965 and got married in 71 and A lot of race and class issues um, with my mother's family. And my dad was um, never—their wedding here, he had no representation from his family or friends. Uh, They had to have separate weddings. So they got married here and then went to California and had weddings with my dad's side of the family because the Filipino side of the family was not allowed here, welcomed here. And uh, that's a story that we grew up with. And then when I got married, uh, it was great to have the my dad's family here at the wedding, and my you know 90 year old grandmother who was, you know, here at my maternal grandmother, um, and uh, and my dead grandfather in the background too. So it was great to like have them all together. It took 40 years, but um, they were all here ultimately for the wedding. So that that meant a lot to me. Um, but yeah, holding those contrasts. Um.
1: Can I ask you about that your your the dynamic between your dad and your mom and yeah, your totally. generations prior to them feeling uncomfortable with a, a multiracial marriage? And I just I'm curious, one thing you told me previously is that when your white mother would be walking around with you in Greeno or wherever, yep. folks would look at you and your brother and wonder Think if we you were adopted. Vietnamese yep. orphans, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We didn't grow up with any other Filipinos. <clears throat> we didn't grow up with any brown people in general. It was, uh, it was my brother and my dad were and and who I recognize as Filipino and who I knew. And we all my cousins or all these white blonde Hellions. I mean, it's definitely a very white world. It was my mother's family's place and my dad always. I mean, always recognize that. And and he says that he is successful or got where he got in life because he married a white woman. And he was kind of joking, but not really. Um, He's very serious about that. My mom was also proud of her marriage to my dad. And I think that was really important for us kids. And my mom, even when you know people would approach her in the grocery store and say, "Oh, it's so great that you've adopted these, you know, Vietnamese refugees," because um, my, my brother was born in '76, and um, and so this is just after the Vietnam War. And so, um, my mom would say, "No, no, no they're they're mine," and she, and she wouldn't. It wasn't a, she didn't take it as a, a slight or it wasn't negative. And um, yeah, so I, I appreciated how how we grew up that way we didn't feel less than um except we were in a weird sense because i also understood that um myself and my brother and my dad weren't necessarily welcomed by my grandmother my white grandmother who's like super lockjaw sort of i mean you've probably heard me talk about this on like the tell us something podcast um that that comes from like old blue blood chicago like moneyed family and my dad did not fit into that and they did not want that for their daughter my grandparents and so my brother and i always recognized that we weren't what they wanted but we still you know you, you play along you roll with it as a kid um my my dad tells a story of my grandmother you know asking like what what are your children going to look like you know, uh, and they have these these nasty letters back and forth, like my my mom and dad have uh, with my grandmother, like on this whole struggle of of my parents getting married. Um, and and I think that actually helped their bond because it was kind of them against the world. Um, and uh, again, as as children, to see that your parents are so united um, is really powerful, and so. Um, our immediate family, like my brother and my parents, were really tight, and uh, I, I like that, and I feel like that um, helps uh, helped us deal with you know life in general.
1: So I want to talk to you about your role as kind of commissioner, and what I gather is that. Sort of as you were thinking about this land that we're on now and wanting to protect it in the future and protect the Blackfoot River, you got involved. It looks like in '98 you joined the Big Blackfoot Chapter of Trout Unlimited. You have been chair of Montana Conservation Voters. Are you still chair? No, I had I to I had to be, step right? off yeah. when
0: I was commissioner. But uh, uh, yeah, and that was a strange situation, like <laughs> or journey. I mean, I get, but I say that, and I'm like, anyone's journey is strange. Um, So, right, my first, like, public service, I I mean, I was uh, elected to the school board, you know, 25 years ago. And I was on the school board, or 23 years ago. So I've been on the school board for forever, and I don't have kids, and I wasn't married for the longest time, you know. And I'd been school board, you know, and this was that was like my, my first like public, uh, but I didn't really feel like it was, I'm a, you know, a public official. No, it was just what you needed to do to like help keep our school together. Um, and, and then, yeah. And then I was on the big Blackfoot chapter of Trot Unlimited. I don't fish, you know, like, <laughs> like, like how embarrassed like, I don't like and, but um, it was important for someone to be on that board from the ranch because um, that, that chapter does so much like great conservation work. And, and we were benefiting from the conservation work. And, and we benefit from the health of the Blackfoot River. And so, yeah, we need to step up and give back. And so I, I joined that board, was asked to join that board. But I didn't know anything. There's a bunch of, maybe there were two women there, maybe, when I joined and everyone else, all bunch of old middle-aged white men um, but they weren't they weren't your classic like you know talking about like their fly fishing trips in New Zealand sort of thing it was these were landowners ranchers um, some agency representatives like people who were into like stream restoration um, and 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 that tributary work to protect the main stem of the blackfoot and so that was kind of like my happy spot it was learning about the the conservation work in my community and it kind of like you know juiced me and got me fired up and then um yeah and then I was asked to be on the the state board of Montana conservation voters and I was like what <laughs> um but uh also an amazing scrappy organization and suddenly it, it kind of like it gave me some field vision and I could like look around and see like the entire state of Montana and how amazing Montana is and oh my gosh, how, how many kind of different Montanas there are out there. And, and that I joined that board or um, like selfishly cause I wanted to like learn more about my state. And um, and so that was a, also a really great experience. And then um never wanted to be a commissioner because you just kind of get shat on coming and going or that was my observation like oh my god like you have state mandates and then you have like local I mean like it just you're just it just it just seemed like a miserable job and I didn't want I was like oh my god who would ever do that and <laughs>
1: So I had to say well documented <laughs> your, your feeling towards becoming commissioner because on the Mountains and Prairie podcast, you were asked about becoming, It was, I think it was a year, it was 2018, I think, when that interview happened. And oh, my God, And you yeah. <laughs> became commissioner in 2019. But your answer to the prospect of becoming an elected was like, oh, I think it was like literally, quote, oh, God, no. Yeah, like, yeah, so. no. <laughs> um,
0: but what I've learned, like, I am so lucky. Like, there is something special in Missoula County, Right now, with staff, with my, my fellow commissioners, um, you know, department heads, there is really good palpable energy there that um, I'm excited to be part of.
1: I want to I talk to you about Missoula. Yeah. I want to hear you talk about Missoula. But, but first, I just want to get a little better sense because I understand that leadership in Montana sort of played a role to some extent of oh, a huge you role. becoming commissioner right to deciding yeah. to step up and lead in this way as county commissioner can you talk about like kind of that story what led you to this place yes
0: went through leadership montana it was amazing i i was just at a time when like I, you know i hadn't been in school in a long time i just was in need of some education some coaching something you know um and it was a really powerful experience of anyone who's been through that flagship program like Uh, But it was weird also, like, my first time going to Leadership Montana, we all meet at Big Sky, and I show up, and I can tell, like, I, I have crazy imposter syndrome, like, all these people are, like, in, like, jackets and ties and hair that's, like, done, you can just, like, smell the product and aftershave and cologne and everything, you know, like, and we're all in Big Sky, and, like, it's just, like, very, like, nice sort of atmosphere, and I am so freaked out that I order room service for breakfast because I don't want to go down to the, um, the the breakfast room area for, you know, continental breakfast because I don't want to have to talk to anyone, like small talk. I, I, I have I, a guest ranch, it's like small talk is my life. But I I did not want to do that with those people. I was like, ugh, like <laughs> bank president. What am I going to talk about? You know, like it, it like over like muffins you know like it was just it was so awkward that i stayed in my room and then i purposely showed up late as late as possible to the first session so that i went and like could just go sit at a table and like not have to like engage with anyone and i immediately sat at the table with like jerry and 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 carmen like it was like the 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 um
1: all-star uh, team well no that? it was
0: like the people who were like running leadership montana so that's not where i was supposed to sit so i had to go move you know and so they're all the facilitators and i was like ah oh, feeling awkward i sat at the wrong table um and then i go sit at the table that you're supposed to sit at and then and chantel who i had met before so i at least i i knew chantel um enough to like you know she could able to like, give me a hug i was like happy to see her but uh Goes on talking about the whole day is talking about how we're going to get so much out of this experience and that we're going to, like, you know, really come to trust and depend on these 44 strangers in this room. And I was like, this is bullshit. Don't tell me how to love. Like, I went to like hippie liberal arts school in Portland, Oregon. Like, I know chewy love. Don't talk to me about that stuff. And so I I just was like, like, because everyone's so like buttoned up, you know, and then talking about this really like intense like personal stuff and and so then then the midway through the day where we have to go and sit in a circle and it's just awkward when you have a bunch of like adults like middle aged and older having to like sit in like sharing circle sort of thing and we were in this very long rectangular room so it was really big and we were all side by side uh so there's just an enormous space in the middle of us And it was awkward how much space there was. And so when we, and we were doing these kind of introductions and trying to like tell people who we were. And so when we came to be my turn to do my introduction, I got up from my chair and went to the middle of that space and laid down on the floor on my back and then talked about what I wanted to get out of Leadership Montana um, and why I was there. And to embrace the awkwardness and vulnerability that it was just, like, like eating me alive.
1: <laughs> um, you took the talking stick I, and you laid down.
0: Laid down on the floor. I, this is our first time, like, talking as, right. a, as a group. Um, and I, I just wanted to, like, I don't know why I did that, but I just wanted to kind of, like, set the tone in a sense of, like, man, okay, if we're going to go here and be all chewy and lovey, like, let's go here. And our class was full-on, chewy, lovey. Like, I was a really powerful experience. And the class, yeah, and I I love all of them. And, like, oh, my God, you know, of course, lots of crying and, like, double snot, you know. Like,
1: it's not I, only crying, right? Like, people always...
0: <laughs> and there's laughing and stuff. But, like, I mean, I remember our, our last day together at the end of the session, you know, and it was... It was really touching. it was really powerful. And yeah, we are all like ugly crying. Um, so yeah, leadership, but you're also charged when you finish that program,, well, what are you gonna do with this? You can't just keep the shit to yourself. You know, it's like same here on the ranch. This ranch, the eight thousand acres, it's amazing. Montana's amazing, but we, we can't keep it can't keep it to ourselves, like gotta share it. And so leadership, Montana, what are you gonna do with what you've learned? And so, okay, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be better at whatever I do. You know, that was kind of what I kept thinking. And then, you know, a few more years go by and I'm still kind of clunking in a rut. And and fortunately, there's the the women's group that happens, the the women's retreat in December. And it was December of 2018. And I was needing my leadership Montana fix. And this feeling kind of I don't like to use the word depressed um, because I don't like to think of myself as depressed but i was just feeling like in a rut um and i don't know why i can't just say like oh maybe i was depressed like just say it (laughs) it's okay but like i remember like uh, first time i got gray hair i was like so upset and i had this like skin condition where i was like super itchy and i went to my naturopath and i was like what's wrong with me i got like i'm like scratchy everywhere and i got a gray hair and she did ran some blood work and panels and found out that my adrenal glands were um not functioning, not producing, and uh, I was like, first I didn't know where my adrenal glands were, and I was like the little like hats of my kidneys, you know, and I was like, and she's like, you're just really stressed out, and I'm like, stressed out, like how can I be stressed out? I'm not married, I don't have kids, I live in this beautiful place, like my life is perfect, like stressed out is for people who can't deal, like I am not stressed out, <laughs> like totally embarrassed, um, but yes, so anyway, so yeah women's retreat still struggling with the same issues that I was struggling with when I first went to leadership Montana so that kind of bummed me out but it was just fun to kind of like um be back with my your people in a sense and figure that out and then following year um I had gone to this uh be yoga retreat and became a yoga teacher not for to teach yoga necessarily but for my own private practice and uh that that kind of rocked my world, like at a cellular level and came out of that. It was like a month long, um, intensive, like intense, no alcohol, vegan, like hardly talking to people, like a lot of silence, a lot of sweating, a lot of snotty crying too. And uh came out of that, went to like the next women's retreat and I was like super blissed out and suddenly like had like my... I, Like, the the soil was fertile, if you will. Like, I was, like, suddenly ready for an opportunity to happen. Um, And then right on a Thursday, random Thursday in April, uh, I got a call at 730 in the morning asking uh, me to throw my hat in the ring because a commissioner was resigning. I mean, 16 other people got that same phone call. But Mm -hmm. at the time, I was like, oh, is this... Is this what we're supposed to do like leader and then and and then I went to my friend's um, leadership Montana graduation, like literally the next day, and it was all about, okay, you've done this, how are you going to better serve Montana now? And I'm like, it's so like in your face, Juanita, come on. Um, you have to say yes to this opportunity and um so I think, yes, leadership Montana. I mean, Montana Conservation Voters, uh, Blackfoot Chapter Trout Unlimited, Sunset School Board, they, they all kind of um, prepared me for this opportunity. So yes, said yes to the commissioner, said so, you know, and then ultimately was um, selected. Uh, which I wasn't sure about that, too. The whole idea of campaigning is kind of gross to me. Like, uh, um, I don't like to talk about myself. And I'm the best, so you should vote for me. It just sounds so gross. Um, and I don't know how to, um, yeah, uh, how I would love to be able to change campaigning style and, and just focus more on statesmanship and service. And uh, I don't really know how to, how to do that.
1: I think the word Missoula, I, I might be more sensitive about this because I live here, but I do think the, like Missoula is sort of a lighting rod in our state. Oh, totally. Right? Yeah. And I'm interested, I think if we just hold up two different pictures right next to each other and we say the first is what people think Missoula County is from visiting here or Missoula. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we kind of mentioned these earlier, like lots of hippie stuff going on, hyper-liberalism. You mentioned the word precious. And that might what... also
0: be Missoula City, though. Too, I think well, people sure. confuse, yeah. or no one really thinks about Missoula County. Um, you think of Missoula, the city of Missoula, and right, like, right, right? And and the caricature of the city of Missoula. Um. But the county, I mean, we're we're the the second largest county in the state. And it's just like, yes, there is a city of Missoula, but there is like a very large portion of the county that is not in Missoula. Mm-hmm. And and that doesn't even like Missoula. I mean, this is, I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I live out here and we always talk about town. You know, like when I was even growing up as a kid, like you go into town and it's like starts to smell bad after you get. Like past Potomac, and then it was all you know—the pulp mill and the inversions and like whatever, Bonner and like I mean, it was town and town is different. And <laughs> but but now it can seem as like Missoula is like I said precious. Um and 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 people out in rural areas can mock it and laugh at it for sure. Um, but again, I, I love that kind of dichotomy or juxtaposition or whatever you want to call it. I love that we have the city of Missoula in Missoula County. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it, I think that diversity, um, makes us, I mean, we have, you know, way up North, Sealy Lake, Condon, you know, the Swan (laughs) don't even want to be part of Missoula County at times, you know? Uh, and, uh, and I, I think that Again that's okay, and that tension is kind of beautiful and necessary and i I like that we have that
1: is there anything that we haven't talked about um over the last <laughs> long time yeah
0: about... like again like that I think this is leadership Montana tries to get at this um but Montana dealing with like the urban versus rural, mm-hmm. or when we were talking about race, it's not just brown v white i mean I think there's some class and there's some money um. The things that uh, that we didn't really talk about that I for is really is wrapped up in race too and um and I think um growing up I was more sensitive to class stuff than race stuff also maybe because I didn't see a lot of other you know brown people around me but very aware of you know I grew up in a double wide trailer you know like and and uh, uh, you know all the the cool kids had saran wrap and we had like wax paper and like, and uh, it's just funny like kind of thinking of those differences and then and then and then as a commissioner how do we how do you kind of celebrate those differences even them out like i mean what are you supposed to do with that and and when you're talking about class and then at the same time like again rural urban interests and ways of of, of valuing things um um because sometimes i feel like we talk past each other Mm -hmm. and talking about our values you know and um i want to figure out how we can kind of bridge that urban rural divide and i feel like sometimes rural folks don't feel appreciated or 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 their um their ability to be independent to be um resourceful isn't valued and respected um or, or and and is that just because you know do, are we carrying a chip around on our shoulder or is that really true uh sometimes you feel like oh missoula it's like it's making you know this nanny state sort of stuff you know telling me how to do or how to live or and and i feel like we gotta figure out how to bridge that a bit or chew on that a bit and i like i said i don't know how to do that and we're not gonna do it now but that's something i think about like what is what's the essence of like that urban rural um conflict
1: well, you seem like the right person for the job,
0: <laughs> right? But and I I love be living there. Um, I and I I don't want to say that I'm the spokesperson for that. That 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 sounds obnoxious. But it's it's something. It's an area that I'm really curious about. So. So let's go to the lightning
1: round. Um, you know how this works, yeah?
0: Oh yes, and uh, okay, okay, there's, ready. There's
1: just quick question. So I'll start with some like sentence prompts. What gives your life meaning and purpose?
0: Um, uh, my this ranch, um, this community, my friends, uh, we, we talked a lot about my parents, but I don't think I, I credited my friends. Um, they've really shaped who I am. And I, even since I was a little kid, I've always looked up to my friends and valued and been inspired by my friends. And I feel really lucky to, to have that. Yeah. So I uh, I just want to serve and don't want to let my community and my friends, and my family down. <laughs>
1: a book you're reading now.
0: Oh, I just finished uh, Commissioner Dave Strohmeyer's uh, book, Drift Smoke. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, and So, so yeah, it's a great piece of environmental writing. And he'd gone to the Yale School Divinity, too. And he's, you know, fire guy with Forest Service and BLM for forever. And He's a historian, so it's just a, a great read about you know fire and loss, and so I just I just finished that a um, couple days ago.
1: A TV recommendation.
0: TV, like TV. Or movie. Yeah, yeah it's like I don't, don't have TV. Uh, uh, what what have Can I? Can you name those ones that oh, you always a describe bald the ranch? Um oh. Uh,
1: city slickers means oh, abbey yeah. How I meets, describe <laughs> the
0: ranch, yeah. City slickers means dirty dancing with some river runs through it and a little downtown abbey. Yeah, that's that's what the ranch is. Recently, I, I was really resistant to Schitt's Creek, but oh my god, it's so good! Oh, yes, thank the you. The first yes. couple episodes, I was like, what this is ridiculous, Blech. and then I'm like, it's so good. It's the best when you're
1: scared, confused, over or overwhelmed where do you turn
0: oh man we're kind of here at the wedding rock um i check in on my my breathing um yeah breath i'm reminded i have a track coach that um let say like your mind controls your body and your breath controls your mind so breathing
1: something that you care about deeply that we haven't discussed today
0: Mm. Yoga um and uh again the the essence of yoga being service and I I came to yoga because I can't bend my knees or straighten my knees and so I was there for like this, this very physical application um and then deepening my practice to understand like how it means how you show up in the world and so yeah um more yoga for everyone
1: <laughs> most adventurous food you've ever eaten and i bring this up because of course your instagram has mountain oh, land over fritos yeah
0: but that but mountain land just that just kind of tastes like pork and feels like pork and looks like pork so that wasn't terribly adventurous what is the most adventurous <laughs> um yeah i mean i guess you don't think of eating feline as um now i'm stuck on mountain land there has to be something else some sort of bugs of some sort, crickets maybe? Yeah. Adventurous. I like how mountain yeah. lion,
1: mountain lion, not adventurous, doesn't well, qualify. Yeah, it's not because
0: <laughs> because of like the, the pork white meat consistency.
1: Your proudest achievement?
0: Um, Continuing the Ebarl Ranch and being um, elected, like properly elected as a Missoula County Commissioner oh no I'm not the wedding rock proudest achievement like being married to my husband
1: we'll close it out with one word prompts vulnerability a value connection necessary Juanita Vero, thanks so much for coming on the podcast (laughs) thank
0: you so much it was really wonderful hope it's not too windy thanks for this
1: Thanks to Commissioner Vero for that fantastic conversation and thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro song is a rendition of the Montana State song by Scott Gudger and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, Thanks for listening to Listen First, Montana. I love your opposition to the word slick. It's like really (laughs) biting for you, I think. Anything slick. I don't like
0: slick except when uh, things go well and it's slick as snot. Then, (laughs) Then that is great. That is really great.
1: Slick as not.